Hello, and welcome to the Family Bookshelf. I am Nick, the Game Schooling Dad, and with me, as always, is my wife, Amber, of AmbitionsForChrist.com. Today, we're doing our 10th episode, one that's a little longer and one that's totally different. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about ourselves, and we're going to talk about the jobs that we've had. Uh, I think I'll go first. Yeah. <laughs> we drew straws, and it was me who got the short one. So. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, I did some odd jobs in high school, probably not much worth discussing and talking about. <laughs> I did some landscape artistry, you know, help some people move. You know, Do you like rose like bushes? That. No, I, I, <laughs> I had to plant rose bushes and just plant hundreds of flowers for this lady this one summer it was a nightmare and it was, by the end of it i was just shoving the plants in upside down in a pot just to get them done with because like i'm so sick of these plants and this lady was so hard to work for and i was like a 15 year old boy so summer jobs as a teenager right. so i you know i did some of that in high school uh, my first real job was when i was in college i worked at walmart uh, that'd probably be the first place i worked mm -hmm. at uh you know then I also did a lot of volunteer work at this point in time in college. I was studying to be a teacher, and so I knew if I wanted to be a teacher, I had to do as much as I could to be with kids and around kids and work with kids as much as I could. So I really oh, yeah. went out of my way now to volunteer. I volunteered as a coach uh, at the local rec center uh, in Fort Collins. I went to CSU, and I coached uh, football and basketball for two or three years. Uh, I also coached a third grade t-ball team which was um unexperienced <laughs> i knew i wasn't ever going to be an elementary school teacher <laughs> at least really? not for long <laughs> but it was fun i enjoyed that a great deal uh, i also did a lot of odd jobs uh, just with different classrooms i would go into uh, an advanced class and check kids planners you know make sure they were filling out staying on top of their schedule uh, i would go in there and help kids with their homework like that. So I did a lot of these odd jobs again that I just knew I wanted to be around and with kids to make sure I got as much experience with that, not only so I could go in and interview well, but also so I could know if this was really a job that I could do, if this would excite me, because I mean, the average teacher lasts for three years. Mm -hmm. So... I picked up a lot of those jobs. Uh, of course, I graduated CSU, and I was a teacher. Uh, and this is where I, my career really starts off. Uh, I was a teacher for six years mm -hmm. uh, in, a pu in public school settings, three in a small rural school, one in a large city school, and then two more in a um, smaller rural school. Uh, I saw a lot of weird stuff yeah. in the public school, and I was not there for long. Yeah, Only six years, and it was pretty terrifying. Uh, I saw saw the video of a mentally handicapped boy being sexually harassed. Mm. Uh, I Probably the thing that keeps me awake at night the most and still haunts me is I didn't confiscate that kid's phone and take it to someone. And by the time I, by the time I, of course, reported it, but by the time they got back around to it, the video had been deleted and I couldn't find it anymore. And mm. that still keeps me up at night. And I'm still, I remember, you know, the, the mentally handicapped boy's mom coming to me and asking me what was on this video. And I, I had to explain it to her because she hadn't seen it. And mm. of course we had no proof. And I, I regret that to no end. That was, I was, I think my first year teaching and I, I didn't know any better, but you know, I had to live and learn, right? You had to yeah. Live and learn. It's the hardest part. I you mean, know, I saw kids that, that couldn't read, uh, be passed along just because we had to get them out of the system. Now they were 18 and they no longer had a place here. So we had to move them along. And yeah. I, you know, I remember talking, fighting with the superintendent. It's like, no, she needs to be, you know, in an extra English class because she cannot read. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have any proof that she can read and she hasn't passed any of these tests or anything. And so they threw her in a 
as a teaching a teaching assistant, a, a girl who could not read as a teacher's assistant and expected me to teach her while I taught a seventh grade, eighth grade class. Yeah. Like, there's no possible way I can do that. So, you know, I saw all kinds of stuff. And that was a small rural school. <laughs> Um, when I married Amber, it was when we moved to the big school, and <laughs> things got much more dramatic. I was only there for a year for a reason. I think uh, the reason, what stands out about me with this one was we, it was during when the Newtown shooting happened. Yeah. And I just remember you having to go to school the next day after that happened, and oh, that one was hard. Yeah. Because uh, those things happened at your school. To, like, there was kids there that you knew, like, this was probably what they would do. Yeah. And the cops came in and arrested yeah, was, kids. I remember that. It was, it was, no, don't get me wrong. I'm not like in inner city Detroit. I'm not no. like in a real tough school. I mean, I very still <laughs> white middle class, right. you know, upper crust school. I'm not, you know, ignorant of the world around me, mm. but this was still probably a harder school than I've used to. Probably the hardest mm. school that Amber, of course, has ever <laughs> yeah. been near or around having been, you know, homeschooled, <laughs> no yeah. less. So again, this wasn't the toughest school or the hardest school out there by any stretch of the imaginations. And still, the things I saw were, were pretty sad. Um, oh, yeah. Newtown happened. You, you said that. But what you didn't say was that my school received school uh, shooting threats mm. like the next day, the next week, right? Yeah. And I didn't know that. And no one bothered to tell me. And not that it would have made much of a difference. But, you know, I come walking in the school, <laughs> and nobody's there that day. It's like, what's what's going on, guys? <laughs> I had to have some of the other kids and, you know, some of the other teachers explain to me, yeah, there were schools, there was, you know, th threats of shooting. So, you know, a lot of kids stayed home. It's like, oh, that'd have been nice to know until <laughs> the, the last period of the day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, <laughs> cool. <laughs> Let's get back to work. Um, so now into chapter three in your book. Right. <laughs> so, you know, and we saw, we had the kid who uh, decided to go into the men's room and pee mm -hmm. and spread his poop everywhere. Um, didn't, any, didn't get in any real trouble, just, you know, chose to do it and then we ignored that yeah. we had you know the kid who jumped another kid the last like the second to last day of school <laughs> this kid jumps this other kid steals his backpack and takes off running and it's like of course the cops have to get involved it's an assault the kid ends up not graduating from the eighth grade from this <sighs> it's like this is crazy we had eighth graders who were 16 years old yeah the school was arguing over whether they should have a policy in there that the, the students aren't allowed to drive to school it's like, why do we still have eighth graders who are 16? And, and then I saw their work ethic. It's like, oh, this is why we have, school, <laughs> you know, eighth graders who are 16 years old. You know, this is sad, you know. Yeah, the, that whole school was just a sad. I I just remember it was a very eye-opening experience for me, probably partly because it was my first year being married to a public school teacher mm -hmm. at that point. And there was a lot of, you know, just eye-opening experiences all around just from that. And then also in that school and it was just, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, the teacher at a different school, the, the other middle school down in that um, city, one of those, the, the students decided to poison one of the teachers. Uh, he ended up having to go to the hospital. You know, um, yeah. didn't happen to me because I was actually fairly well liked. You know, <laughs> uh, it was kind of sad. Our, our school, I was the one teacher who actually did what they told us to do and, you know, tried to actually follow the directions we had been given. Now, the directions were not good, but I at least you know tried yeah. unfortunately that meant they basically got a three-day weekend because you know every day in class was supposed to be so they had you know english math social studies science right mm -hmm. and monday tuesday wednesday thursday friday and on mondays they didn't do my class was a study hall on tuesdays math was a study hall on wednesdays science was a study hall so they really only did like 
four days worth of work in any class. You know, mm-hmm. they had they had huge amounts of study hall time, still couldn't complete their work, and still were supposed to get passed along, yeah. which says a lot about the kids who were 16 years old, yeah. right? There really was very little to no reason to fail a kid. There was no mm-hmm. incentive to fail a kid. Well, I, mean, I remember one time you tried to fail a kid, and you actually got in trouble for yeah. it. And it was, again, eye-opening of... If this is the time to fail, you're in seventh and eighth grade. Why not fail now in life? This is the time where, like, something you fail for a minute or two and you go, oh, okay. Like, now we can learn our lesson. What what we're trying to fail kids on is, like, this piece of paper was not good. This assignment was not good. So I'm going to give you an F here and challenge you to do better next time. I'm not going to fail you in the class. Uh, That's a whole other, you know, philosophical teaching discussion we need to have. (laughs) Giving a kid an F in the class is is silly. But that's something we have to discuss philosophically. Right. And and teachers do discuss that philosophically because, Mm -hmm. you know, they know that kids are being passed along who should not be passed along. Yeah. So there's a lot of horribleness in that and it was a very sad school year um yeah i and i mean i was actually in the good class the class that was coming up the next year they had troubles with drugs i think they had a busted kid who had a bunch of marijuana in his locker uh they had a kid who had brought a bunch of knives to school uh the kid the class that had graduated before my class broke into a teacher's car um so <laughs> it was a pretty eye-opening, like, oh, my goodness, there is no control here. Yeah. There is zero, you know, responsibility. There is zero oversight. Holy cow. <laughs> <laughs> I think I saw the principal all of twice that year, you know, yeah. uh, the assistant principal all of twice. I don't think I ever saw the, the principal, the yeah. head guy. Um, it was a pretty scary situation i think that was actually probably the normal for public schools yeah uh, we went back to a rural school <laughs> next year because i i had absolutely just fallen in love with the rural school i was at mm-hmm. i would still be there to this day if god hadn't had other plans in mind yeah um and this school i enjoyed a great deal most of the time oh yeah uh we were i don't know it was just much more freeing that this is actually a much higher level school than the other one I was at, the other rural school. Yeah. Much more higher achieving, much wealthier. Yeah. You know, let's be honest. Well, and I mean, just, it was solid families. Yeah. You have families there. And because they're part of families, they're just, they're, you know, their parents are more involved, which means the kids are going to naturally do better just because there's a mom and a dad in their life. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't take much to make that next step up. Just because you have mom and dad and they love you and you have a meal at home a lot of times. I mean, like, those are some basic things that make a huge difference. <laughs> and, and I enjoyed this school. This school had other issues. It was a 30-minute drive for me every oh, day, yeah. which was very difficult, especially when we did our foreign exchange students and they wanted mm-hmm. to do sports. All of a sudden, I'm there until 8 o'clock at night, and then I have a half-hour drive to get home, and I'm, I'm dog-tired. I've yeah. never been so tired after a day of, of solid teaching. That is the most the hardest you know thing to do in the world i also coached um the football team the junior high basketball team and they had started me on the track team when Mm -hmm. i left um i i basically lost that job because i got on the wrong side of a a local family yeah uh the the kid honestly i i I don't know how else to say it he went and started making up stories about me saying i was Mm -hmm. making fun of kids weight Uh, and as someone who has always struggled with my own weight uh, i would never make fun of a kid because of his weight and right of course I, I picked on the kids i teased the kids i think every teacher has to have a relationship with them mm-hmm. and that's how i build relationships how i build relationships with my kids oh, yeah. it's just you know tease them in little ways 
but I don't think I've ever made fun of anyone because of their weight. That's right. what I was bullied on when I was a kid. Right. And that hits a very personal note for me. So that was really hard to hear that. And then, the, of course, because they're all related, the school board all took his side. So I kind of got into the bad side of politics there. Oh, yeah. Um, the politics was there. I think the best part about this one was it opened my eyes to a whole other aspect of the hard side of public school was the amount of time. Yeah. I I, I never realized... It takes over your life mm-hmm. in a way. I mean, I, I half jokingly would say, you know, I became a football coach widow because when football season started, you were gone all the time. Yeah. And I, I basically left at 6 a.m. and wouldn't get back until 7. And I, when I got back, I was in no shape to be a husband. No. Or obviously not a father. I was <laughs> yeah. a father at the time, but I was in no No, I mean, I was happy if I got to, you know, say hi to you and feed you food before you collapsed. And that was the extent. Started the process all over. Yeah, it was was a rough season in life for that. And And we had other issues. I, I had issues with teachers. Again, I was the only one legitimately trying to do what I was supposed to be doing. You know, we had teachers that just put on videos all day. And there was one teacher who couldn't stay in his room all day. And, you know, I know he has a class, and yet there he is roaming up and down the hallways. It's yeah, like, why the kids were left you, unattended. What are you doing, man? Yeah. You know, uh, <laughs> it, I just, that, as someone who is hyper-controlling, c- I want to control <laughs> every little thing, you know, that bothered me. And it's, mm. you know, not my classroom, so there's nothing I can do about it. Yeah. Um, it was harder because for one of those years, we did have, three foreign exchange students that we also put through the system so we became kind of school parents at the same time and that was very difficult that was really hard very difficult the amount of time that that took and an unexpected time I, the, the most frustrating one i remember <laughs> it was i believe a tuesday maybe it was a thursday night i think it was a tuesday night tuesday night <laughs> and i'm uh, you know it's like it's five o'clock six o'clock it's like okay where, where are the girls let's, let's go i only going home now i can they're not here so I, I have to go find them and look for them because no one's uh, alerted the parents no one's is, informed yeah. me of anything you know i finally find them watching a movie with the book club and it's like what's going on guys it's like oh we're watching this movie now on a Tuesday night, starting this movie at seven o'clock, <laughs> and it's a two and a half hour movie. It's like this movie's not going to be over until nine thirty, and we're lucky then if we're going to be on the road at ten. Are you kidding me? Well, and what was the activity they did with the movie? I believe they painted wine glasses. Yeah, Is that what they did. Yeah. Uh, so you also yes had as young as I believe eighth graders. Me- the, let's put it this way: our girls were only fifteen. Yes, and they were some of the older kids in that group. Sure. And they were making wine glasses yeah. with an adult. Yeah. So it, and I was like, wasn't necessarily uh, the most, you know, <laughs> uh, I don't know, productive use of their time. <laughs> and it's like, we're not going to get home until 11 o'clock at night. I've got to get a few hours of sleep so I can get up at 530, get ready and come up here and do this again. Mm-hmm. And no one informed me of this. Yeah. You know, that one this, stood out. It was bad. <laughs> this was bad. You know, so. That was difficult, and, and I don't want to harp on public school too much. I, I made a lot of friends. You know, there's a lot of teachers that I really mm. enjoyed. There's I, good there. You know, there's, there's good people there. And I have mm. a lot of fond memories now that I've been away from it for so long that there are times when I legitimately miss it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think I could ever go back. I think it's where I'm, the situation I'm in now has spoiled me. <laughs> <laughs> there's some of that. There's also, I mean, it's changed. It's been almost 10 years. It's, it's been six you know, you know I'm I mean, six years a teacher and this is my sixth year out of teaching. It's 2020 changed that. everything. Well, yes. <laughs> Once you talk about that, then there's no way. 
because I mean, what they do now is is, is yeah. torture. So I couldn't yeah. do that, and I, I don't know how kids can do it. Yeah. So um, I wouldn't harp on it too much. I would say that if you are sending your kids to public school, mm. you may want to re- rethink that, <laughs> or or I guess at the very least, be much, 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 much more involved than you think you need to be. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. know how else to say that. I... I do not intend to ever send my kids to a public school. And that's Mm. coming from a public school teacher. And to be honest, that's not unusual for public school teachers. It's not as unusual as you would expect. That's for sure. There's a number of public school teachers that I worked with that would not send their kids to a public school. So something Mm. to keep in mind. Um, So I left that job. And I left that job the second week in. Uh, I think, you know, of we your third we had, year at that school. That is was the hardest move we'd ever had. To oh, make. my. That was so difficult. It was like, I have been here now. It's the 10th day of school. And I have the school board calling me in to yell at me about things that I mean, it's been a whole summer of like, what are you guys talking about? Why didn't you bring this up when this was a problem last, last year? year? <laughs> yeah. You know, now we've been a whole summer and you're going to yell at me over this stuff. Like, this is crazy. Um, so we, Amber and I did a lot of praying, a lot of stuff. And it was time. We just yeah. like, I, I can't do this. You know, we so ended the contract and I, I left the contract and I, yeah, walked away. Um, and that was probably the next month, mm. two months was probably the hardest two months of our marriage and maybe even the hardest two months of my life because I didn't know what I was going to do. Yeah. Uh, I had worked at being a teacher and worked as a teacher for basically 10 years, including mm-hmm. college, and it was all I knew and all I really wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And now it was like there's no opportunity for that anymore. Yeah. Um, this school district that we're in now is out of the question. I won't work here. It's mm-hmm. the worst school district I've in probably the state of Colorado. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I say that nicely, I guess. Um, uh, it's hard. So I ended up getting a job at Dollar General because we had to have a source of income coming in. I mm-hmm. had to have it. And Well, what was hard was, yeah, I was seven months pregnant at the time with our first yeah. born. And yeah. Yeah. I guess a footnote to that story <laughs> is, yeah, Amber was also seven months pregnant when we chose to do this. Yeah. <laughs> it so, was terrifying. But we were about to have a baby. And so like, we have to have a source of income. We're about to do this without any insurance. Mm-hmm. This is about to be really really scary yeah um oh my goodness that was a terrifying month when i worked at dollar general and i've i've probably never been so miserable to have kids who i used to teach come in and see me in my work short work shirt Mm -hmm. and you know work pants and it was humiliating and and now after six years of growth and six years of christian growth it's been okay that was just god keeping me humble it was probably a good thing and i probably needed to get over it so there's a lot of personal things there mm-hmm. but that was hard that was, was hard to have students that i had taught you know and then they're sitting there i mean obviously making fun of me yeah laughing at me it's like it's difficult um eventually a, a, a position opened up at the city uh i went to this work for the city as their accounts payable receivable Mm -hmm. Uh, i worked there and that was actually a really fun job i really enjoyed that now i worked for a very difficult boss uh basically he walked in every day and threatened everyone's job uh he would announce that we are far overstaffed and you know if you're not staying busy then you're gonna get fired and he's like oh my goodness sit here (laughs) quietly put your head down do your work um I didn't have much to worry about. I I'm, I'm I don't know, I don't know how to brag about this. I'm basically a workhorse. Um, I get the work gene from my mom. All I know is work, and that's yeah. all I want to do. I I can find incredible joy in work that others would find maybe menial, or others would find maybe um, 
boring. I, mm, I tedious. love tedious. Yes, thank you. I love creating organizational structures <laughs> and staying organized and filing, and that just you know I, I'm able to just do that naturally, and it, it's fun for me. I love working with spreadsheets. I you know <laughs> I <laughs> he is the spreadsheet nerd. Like I, seriously, if you want something in a spreadsheet neatly, I just like here's a bunch of random information. Can you organize this for me and you do it, and it's yeah. awesome. <laughs> so I enjoy that. So I enjoy that. Again, I, I worked for a very difficult boss at the time, but I say that he did right by me because some things happened, and this was a total god <laughs> thing. Um, we ended up losing our treasurer, and then the lady who worked at the library of all places, the library, had an accounting degree. So she goes to be the treasurer, and the guy who has the English degree who's working in the treasury department <laughs> is then able to go work at the library. And I split part-time between the, the city hall and the library. A total God thing. I mean, Yeah, it's, it's, well, and so crazy. Like, whoever would have planned this or thought of this, it was just so out it there. It was amazing. And then not only that, the lady who had been the librarian for 33 years was finally ready to retire. I mean, mm -hmm. she wanted to leave, and she was ready to leave. Yeah. So within six months, I was asked to be expected to be the um, director of the library so it's like wow I totally just fell into this job and this job has been absolutely amazing yeah I have been certainly spoiled by being a librarian well, I, get... I think it just fits you it fits your gifting of organization mm -hmm. it fits your love of books obviously <laughs> <laughs> it fits just who you are as a person you you care about the public you can deal with the public well in a calm nature it's just amazing. I mean, I, I could just see it. Also, I mean, one of the big things you did for teaching, the reason you got into it is you wanted to teach kids the love of reading. And I've got seen you get to do that more as a librarian than I ever got to see you do that as a teacher either, I yeah. think. You know, just I to agree. bring books into kids' hands day in and day out. And it's amazing. So I just, it's amazing. And I have absolutely loved being a librarian. <laughs> it has fit me well. Uh, the world of libraries is full of liberal wackadoodles. Um, <laughs> but I'm used to that. Another way that God prepared me, so is teaching. Uh, I've also been around women uh, in teaching. Again, I was, I, school and all that is all geared for women. And I've been raised in that. So it doesn't bother me. These women, these old curmudgeonly women who are the biggest liberal nuts you've ever seen and i was like i'm not intimidated by you in the least lady you're a crackpot <laughs> <laughs> and so, they usually don't know what to do with you because the six foot three some guy yeah, comes the in linebacker looking male you know walks in and he's like let's talk books and they kind of like oh <laughs> yeah let's talk books and then we'll talk theology you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's fun <laughs> so and it's, it's been absolutely amazing and, and my the thing that's whenever i have to share this or express this to people is all i can say is it was all god mm. this has been a total absolutely. this has been the moment that i look to and say if there's ever a time where i've needed a sign that god not only knows what he's doing mm -hmm. god not only takes care of me god not only loves me god knows me better than i know myself mm. and god has planned for my life before i've ever even been born this lady was a librarian before i was born yep it, it it was this moment this year and a half span where the blocks fell so perfectly that yeah. if i had tried to control it or tried to been different if i had left that job a week sooner or a week later it wouldn't have happened it wouldn't have happened if I had, you know, not looked at the newspaper to find the city opening, you know, that week as opposed to, again, a week later or a week sooner, yep. it wouldn't have happened. This is the moment where I look to and say, wow, <sighs> God is amazing. 
Yes. And I, I don't know. There's nothing else to learn about my work history. It's a joke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm embarrassed by a lot of it, you know. But this is the moment where I point to and I say, I, I just stand in awe of what God did mm. and what obviously God can do. And the more that I see it, you know, the more I, I recognize this is amazing. This is, I, I, it, it, my words fail to express mm. how perfect this came together. Yes. That we, we've been able to raise our kids as perfect readers because of this job. Again, yeah. it fell perfectly. I, yeah. I, I just don't know. God There's, is God's sovereign. God and is. He is he is in control and he's got this. And so the the day you left um the teaching job, it was August twenty eighth, so it was eight twenty eight. And God <laughs> kept bringing the verse to mind from Romans eight twenty eight. You know, God works all things together for good for those that love the Lord. And I just remember the whole day as we were driving back from cleaning out your classroom and we were both just so emotional and it was terrifying and I just remember it was like that was the only thing I kept telling myself was God works all things together for good. God works all things together for good. And it was like, I don't see that right now. And mm-hmm. getting to look back on it now, six years later and being like, wow, God does work all things together for good. And yeah. it's just amazing. It's and, amazing. And it's, you know, it's amazing how much he's – I mean – that was my work history. There's more to this story. There always is, mm-hmm. right? If I had not chosen to go to CSU, there's a good chance I don't move out to Eastern Colorado. There's a good chance I don't get the job at Bethune. There's a good chance I don't meet Amber. There's a good chance, you know, it's like, holy cow, the more you look at this, once you see this moment <laughs> here, the, the line he has drawn through my life mm-hmm. is perfect. And he yeah. has put me here for this reason right now. For his purposes. Yeah. And that's for powerful For such stuff. a time as this. That's God has you here for such a time as this. Yeah. You know, and it's amazing. <laughs> it is. It's. So that's, yeah. and that's why I love sharing my work story because I can point all of my, my past, the past that for 25 years wasn't even dedicated to God. Mm-hmm. You know, while I was still a sinner, he loved <laughs> me enough to take care of me. Yeah. You know, and I can point to all that and say, and all it shows is that. God's got this. God's faithful. God is, is perfect, and it's mm-hmm. amazing. So yeah. I think I think that's enough about me and my work <laughs> history. Uh, I know Amber has a couple, and one that she's really excited to share. So. There is one in particular, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, my work history starts with I grew up on a farm. <laughs> <laughs> so sleeping I, in late. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> staying in on cold days. Yeah, I wish. Curled up with a book, drinking cocoa. <laughs> yeah, you just love to tease me about that. No, I was homeschooled. So by that, I mean my parents, we had the family farm and ranch. So when you're a homeschooler and you're an only child and your dad doesn't have any hired help, homeschooling looks a lot like farm work some days. (laughs) It looks like, well, we're going to go repair 10 miles of fence line today because the bull got out and tore it all up. It looks a lot like, well, it's 2 a.m. and there's a mama cow that needs a C-section. You want to learn how to do a C-section with the vet tonight? Um, so that was, like, I guess my first work history <laughs> was it was work. And you you stopped working when the work got done. Yeah. And I I will forever be grateful for it. I It was the best way to grow up as a sure. kid. I mean, it was the best. You know, you, you worked hard, but you got to have fun. And you knew at the end of the day you had done a job, and it was done. It was awesome. Oh, it's also exhausting. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I'm getting tired thinking about it. <laughs> 
but when I turned 18, my parents were like, so now you got to get a real job. And I'm like, what have I been doing this whole time? <laughs> so I um, started college and I started working at Safeway, the local grocery store here in town. And I worked full time and I went to school full time and it was awful because <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's just a lot of physical work. And I loved working at Safeway when I got to be like the cashier, the upfront person. I really struggled when, and what most of my job was actually stocking, especially the produce section. I was considered the produce clerk, which basically means you get to haul 50 pound boxes and bags of stuff all over the place and deal with people that want you to cut open watermelons with a dull knife and then they complain because it's not quite the right color. It was, oh my goodness. Yeah. It was my first dealing with the public and it was an eye-opening experience. <laughs> we'll put it that way. And to be fair, it was a great job. It was a great first job. My bosses were amazing. I got to work with even some, I mean, one of my direct boss over me went to the same church as I did. So I, you know, she did her hardest to make sure that I got a lot of Sundays off, which even those of you that know you work in a seven-day-a-week industry, yeah. that's impossible. Yeah, and um, I really was blessed. It's also it was very eye-opening. It's where I heard some of my first really serious cuss words <laughs> as a sheltered homeschool student. It was, it was a learning curve all the way around, and I'm thankful for it. It was a good experience. It was a good learning experience, and it fit well with my work ethic. Of I knew how to work until the job was done, and I knew how to show up to work and do my job and I also had to learn how to leave my job at work it was a hard thing to learn and I let it affect my health and things in a way I never would have thought I would and I had to learn a lot of lessons those first two years but it was a good experience and it paid my way through college so I left college debt free which <laughs> at the end of the day that's really all you can ask of a job when you're 18 and 19 years old <laughs> um I then I finished my I finished my associate's degree, and at that point, I was still a little unsure, like, what do I want to do? I don't know. I have a business degree. I could just go work at the local, like, accounting, you know, place or go be a teller at the bank. But there was just something about it. I was like, I don't know what I want to do yet. I was just barely 20, and I was just sure. I was like, I don't know if I want to just settle in and, you know, live in this small town forever and never do something. But I was too scared to leave, and... It was a weird time. Of, I just didn't know exactly where I was going to go with my life yet. And so my um, growing up, my parents knew uh, we live in Colorado and there was a place in Colorado called Summit Ministries in Manitou Springs. It's a worldview training camp. They're two week long worldview training camp. And I went there as a student. Absolutely loved it. And my aunt happened to speak up and she's like, you know, some of my kids went and worked there years and years ago maybe you should get on and see if you can work at summit ministries and i was like oh my goodness that's oh that's so scary that's like oh if you, you know, and i was like oh my goodness why did she even have to say this of course she said it loud in front of my parents who were like oh, that's amazing and i'm like oh no i'm gonna have to do this now and i i applied and right away i got a call back like let's have a phone interview and let's interview you and see if we can get you in this job we want to make sure you're a good fit and I did the phone interview and I was like, I've never wanted a job more. I absolutely <laughs> was like, oh, I want this job so bad. <laughs> and it was amazing. I, I got the job, <laughs> spoiler, <laughs> and I got to go spend a summer um, working at Summit Ministries. And by that, I mean, I, I got to work in the kitchen and feed a bunch of kids. 
and all these different things. But the perk was I got to work in a kitchen where people like Frank Turek, Dr. David Noble, Jeff Myers. And if you aren't nerding out over these names, it's okay. <laughs> I know most people don't. But this is like, you know, Lee Strobel. These kind of people were just walking through. Mike Adams. Oh, I'm trying to think of all the names. Oh, okay. The funniest one, the one that still stands out to me was, I don't, most people know Focus on the Family. Dr. James Dobson, you know, who founded Focus on the Family. That's in Colorado Springs, just a few miles from Summit Ministries. And there was this guy that was working in the kitchen one day and he kind of had overalls. He had like a tattoo, a few tattoos on him and all the stuff and very nice guy. And I said hi and I, he had his kid with him and they were working on some plumbing why we were getting the hotel ready to open up for the students for the year and everything. And I didn't think anything of it. He was just the guy there helping do repairs <laughs> with the rest of the guys. And I was super excited. The first week we had the students there was there going to be the speaker named Ryan Dobson. He was the son of James Dobson. And I've read all of his books and I really enjoyed them. I'll have to talk about his books sometimes, I guess. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, okay. I can't wait to go meet him and go run. He, go running down the stairs and lo and behold in a much more uh, dressed up version <laughs> is the guy that had been painting and helping us with plumbing a few weeks before and who would always just introduce himself as ryan never thought to ask his last <laughs> name obviously like what's the matter and that's when i kind of got a little hint that this whole summer was going to be a little different like i got to see like the other side of all these people that like you see their names on these books and you see them you know speak at conferences through it you know it's my growing up years i went to homeschool conferences and all these names were there yeah i know i'm a nerd <laughs> <laughs> and it was it was the weirdest thing to be able to see see them in their you know they're just normal people mode i guess and it was very eye-opening to get to watch these people serve god kind of behind the scenes yeah. it was a lot more fun and I also, I, I just had a great experience. The people I worked with, the other staffers that year, they're just amazing. They loved God. And I also remember the first night I was sitting between two students and they were having a conversation about someone like, um, I think it was Carl Barth or something. And I'm like, they were talking about how many books they'd read of his or something like that. And I was like, oh my goodness, I don't even know what this name is. I am now in a room with people that have read more than I have. And this is the, it was the weirdest experience I've ever had of realizing that for once, like I'm not the nerdiest, weirdest, most read person in the room. And it was amazing. And I think the best part about working at Summit was just, we got to, the students came in every two weeks you had a new group come in and these kids are going to sit through seven hours of worldview training and it's in depth and it's hard because they're encountering conversations scott klusendorf was there giving his you know um abortion apologetics of you know how do you argue for the right to life and i still remember the night after that i mean that was always a big one we always like as staffers like you pray prayed and prepared for that night because it was always going to be a big night. And I still remember um, when the lights out had happened, everyone got into bed, and all of a sudden I hear someone kind of out crying in the hallway. And I was like, oh, no, what's going on, you know? So go out there, and it's one of the girls from one of my small groups was out there. And she was like, the week before she had come, she had helped one of her friends go to have an abortion. And she's like, I didn't know this. I didn't know this. I didn't know this. And, you know, she was just, utterly heartbroken because she had no idea she had no clue you know she's like i i helped her do this you know and just the the 
the guilt she was a 15 year old girl herself you know she had no idea and you know the counseling and the time that you know no sleep that night because we sat there and you know talked about you know god's sovereignty and god can you know forgiveness forgiveness and there was it was just it was one of those nights where i'll never you know i remember feeling like there's nothing i can say here there's no words i can say there's nothing here that's gonna you know when you're convicted and when you see these things head on it it's hard and no matter what i say it's you know you and god have to walk through this and it was that was probably one of the hardest nights I remember of, you know, getting to sit with that girl as she just cried and realized, you know, the the evil that it is and, you know, and just being shocked by it. And it was hard. That was, I think the hardest part was, yeah, day in and day out, we, we had to pour into these students' lives and it was the most exhausting work I've probably ever had to do <laughs> that way because it wasn't physical exhaustion. I don't think I was ever physically tired there in that way like I was when I worked at Safeway or at the farm or something, sure. you know, it was not that physical exhaustion. It was like, Oh yeah, I'm tired some days or, you know, but it was the most spiritually exhausted I've ever been. I remember you get days off here and there and I would literally just go find like a quiet corner somewhere and sometimes read my Bible and just sit there for a whole day and just be like, try to come down from, it felt like just spiritual battle after spiritual battle yeah. of every conversation you had. You could almost just sometimes sense like Satan was, literally wrestling with these kids hearts and lives and and it was just unreal and uh, i I think it's one of those things where it's like i i sit there and i watch you know people they're like what's it matter what's it matter to teach kids worldview or you know to teach them apologetics and it's like it's not just a curriculum it's not just something you talk about or you know five points you point out and like this is good to know you know so you maybe don't stray when you grow up it's like no this is a whole this is truth versus lies and Satan is perpetuating lies over and over and over again in every way and it's coming from every direction and your kids are going to have to face it day in and day out. You have to face it day in and day out and without God's truth and looking at things through a biblical worldview, you don't stand a chance. You will never stand a chance to stay strong in your faith, to be able to stay faithful to God and it's so easy to fall to false teachers and I would highly recommend not just worldview training your kids <laughs> for two weeks, but day in and day out. It's the beginning, and it, it, it left you. I mean, you were still talking about it. You still talk about it today. <laughs> it's yeah. changed your life, and mm. it gave you such a passion for apologetics and such a drive mm. to know more and learn more that you were willing to go talk to a 25-year-old atheist, <laughs> you know, Cause and, again, and change his world. Talking about perfect timing, um, it was the first week I was working at Summit. I got an email from you. <laughs> and that's when we first started having our conversations, just via email. And gave me a whole new courage and a faith to stand up and just be like, this is the line. This is where I stand. I won't move from this. And I won't leave my faith for the yeah. anything. Just, just seeing what it did for you and how much it changed your life. If, mm. if there's anyone out there who's never heard of Summit, I would yeah. highly, highly recommend you look into it. I, yeah. I, I have no doubt that if it's still going, my kids will be attacked. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. absolutely amazing. It is. It is. And it. there's so many hard questions in today's world. Um, 
just talking about, you know, you, you'll have to deal with conversations over critical race theory. You're going to have to deal with questions over abortion. Obviously, you're going to have to deal with questions on homosexuality, homosexuality your gender. I mean, what what do you identify? Boy and girl. It's something that right. I never thought I'd have to, you know, be like so excited that my kids know that they questions, are a boy and a girl. Questions have gotten harder, not easier. Not easier. Yeah. yeah. And so my time at Summit, I think, was just one of those. It was a it was a life changing year there. It. I grew up there <laughs> in a yeah. lot of ways, and I've always been so thankful God opened that door for me because it really prepared me for a lot of life and grew me up in a lot of ways, spiritually and otherwise, too. And, yeah, highly recommend Summit Ministries. <laughs> Go check them out. Um, I guess coming back from Summit Ministries was a little odd. But come back to my small town. No one reads here. Ugh, whatever. Anyway, uh, <laughs> it was hard coming back home after that one. I'm not going to lie. It was kind of, it felt like a touch of heaven. And then I got dropped back into the real world. Yeah. And it was a rough sure. <laughs> drop back into reality in a lot of ways. Um, but God opened some doors. When I got back, I was able to actually... Um, take a part-time job working as a secretary to local church. And then I also got a part-time job working as a waitress. And those sound like two very different things, but I feel like I was just in ministry in both of them in very different ways. And it was awesome. They were just, it was a great time. I was able to be flexible. I was still able to go out work at the farm sometime when my parents needed help. I was, it was, it was for a season and I knew it was going to be for a season, partly because it ended when I got married <laughs> And then the probably the hardest part was after that, I didn't work again. I Well, okay, I worked for like two weeks as a house cleaner when we sure. first were married. And it was a horrible, terrifying experience. This, this, yeah, single, yeah, a tiny little girl going into a house cleaning houses. And there was weird, creepy people. It was, yeah, that was yeah. scary. Didn't do that long. <laughs> um, you went back to waitressing for a little bit. I went back to waitressing for a while. But then and, you took the most important job of all. And then I became mom. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that's where I am now. I, I do blog on ambitionsforchrist.com. That is kind of my tagline there. But that is definitely my sideline, like a few hours a week when I need a creative. If you get a chance. If I get a chance and, you know, there's not babies screaming at me the whole time, then I will go write for a few minutes. But now it is, my job title is mom. And it's pretty <laughs> awesome. It's, again, whoo, talk about exhausting and taking everything 24 out. 24-7 ministry. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, and I wouldn't change it for anything. It's the best job ever and highly recommend it. <laughs> if you can be a mom, it's the best. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess that kind of ties us up. That's that's where we've worked and that's what we've done. Yeah, that's so. kind of what built us and, you know, drove us to who we are and who we are today. And those are yeah. important chapters in our lives of what we did yeah. and how we got here. And, of course, uh, how God led us here. Yep. How God put us here specifically for mm. this season. Yep. So. Work is a blessing and it is a part of life. Yes. <laughs> a lot of people forget that work precedes the fall. Yeah. Like, there will be work in heaven and it'll mm -hmm. be joyful and it'll be fulfilling and it'll be the perfect work. And there'll and be no weeds. No weeds <laughs> in the garden, right? <laughs> but we forget that. And I think it's you know, it's important to remember mm -hmm. that there is joy and there is love in work. And when you mm -hmm. when you lose that, you you've lost a blessing from God. Yes. You know, so uh but I think we've taken enough of your time. Yeah, sorry. We 
we kind of rambled. Good <laughs> luck again, if you made it. <laughs> once again, I am Nick from uh, the Game Schooling Dad. <laughs> I'm the Game Schooling Dad. And with me is my wife, Amber, of ambitionsforchrist.com. This has been the Family Bookshelf. Make sure you like, subscribe, find us on Facebook, drop us a line, and get in touch. We'll reach out to you. Thanks for sticking with us. Have a good night.